Warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 175 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How you doing, man? I I am doing well, but I'm a little twitchy. I'm a little on my toes. On your toes? Steve, I was driving to the store at a stop sign at a three-way stop, and a guy ran the other stop sign, got right in front of me right as I started up again. So I slowed down so as not to hit him. And then he slowed down. He started yelling at me saying things about my mother and he's on a bicycle he's on a bicycle and i'm in a van and this guy wanted to like seriously fist fight my van he started throwing like fake punches at my fender like it was gonna flinch dude i'm in a van what did you do i just i every time he swooped in front of me i slowed down a little more because i didn't want to like run him over dude he's like wearing a raider's jacket and jeans i'm in a van 
completely surrounded by metal. I am in 2,000 pounds of rolling metal armor. I did not want to run him over. I kind of did, but I didn't want to. Eventually, we came to like a near complete stop, and he just kept yelling at me. And then all of a sudden, he decided that he needed to go bother somebody else, and he he biked on his way. But what, what's up with people? I could have so easily just nudged him, just nudged him into a parked car. I could have tapped the accelerator and rolled over his fool head, but I didn't. Not because I'm a good person, just because I knew afterwards there would be so much freaking paperwork to fill out. Did what did not you want to do, do to piss paperwork. him off, though? I, that, that's the thing. I don't understand. I was stopped, and then I started going again. He ran a stop sign and got in front of me, and I, I guess he just he didn't like that. I don't. I still like lots of times when I do something wrong, when I piss somebody off, somebody like you, for example. <laughs> I know what I've done. I know why. I have no, I'm still completely befuddled what I had done. Wow. That's why I'm so scared. I could be pissing people off right now just by sitting here talking to you. Wow. That's, that's really weird. You know, I had a weird traffic thing happen today, too. I pulled yeah? up to a stop sign, and I made a right, and there was a line of cars that were getting ready to turn onto the street that I had just pulled off on. And the first two cars, completely different types of cars, both were being dri- driven by women, different looking women different types of women but both of them were putting on lip balm at the exact same time in the exact same motion whoa it was like in freddy krueger when two different girls are jump roping in sync that was so fucking weird it kind of blew my mind i'm driving i'm like that is the weirdest thing i've ever seen how are two complete utter strangers in different cars different from each other not even facing each other in sync that is so bizarre Maybe they were like a synchronized swim team on their way to practice. I don't know, but that was creepy. Anyway, you know what else is creepy? No. Yes, lots of things. This week's musical guest. uh, We kicked the show off with a tune called The River from 2016's The Feast of Three Arms. And our musical guest is, of course, San Francisco's The Pine Box Boys, one of our favorite bands. Do you know, Gordon, this episode marks the 10th time... We featured music by the Pine Box Boys on the show, and it will be the fifth time that we've interviewed Lester T. Raw on the show. How cool is that? Wow. We may need to get a new shtick. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, we love those guys. They're the best. Uh, they're great. They're going to be here in three weeks at the Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Festival, April 13th at SIF Uptown Cinema. And this show is going to serve as your preview for the fest. We've got all kinds of great stuff coming up. We have filmmaker interview with our feature for this year. Uh, We've got an interview with Lester. And uh, this year, one of our sponsors is Flame Tree Press. And one of their horror authors is Jonathan Jantz. So we're going to be spending a few minutes talking to him as well. In addition to announcing our complete lineup for the festival, announcing our sponsors, thanking our Kickstarter backers, it's going to be fucking awesome. Awesome. So, Steve. Gord. Are advanced tickets on sale now? They are on sale now. It's 35 bucks right now until April 1st. April 1st is the last day. Then it goes up to uh, day of event pricing, which would be 40 bucks. So if you want to save a few dollars, and who doesn't really in this economy? Really? I mean, buy your tickets early. Uh, we'll mail them out to you and make sure that you have them in time for this year's fest. 
lot of cool stuff. We have already received our hoodies and t-shirts for this year. They're already in-house. The mugs for our backers have been ordered. Uh, also, the patches for every single backer have been patches. ordered. Patches. So we've got so much good stuff. Prizes. Dark Horse Comics sent five boxes of swag for you guys. Each That's box is 54 feet long. Sponsors love you. Each box is the size of a shipping container. It's amazing. There's so much swag to go around. Great movies, just one after the other. Fantastic music. You're going to have a wonderful time at this year's fest. So don't miss out on tickets. We've only They'll got probably win uh, about 20% of the theater is still available. We've sold 80% of our tickets. So you want to get in and get your tickets now because they're going to go fast, particularly once you hear our lineup for this year. It's amazing. You will poop yourself. Why do you have to say that? <laughs> I don't think that's a selling point. I, I don't know. Maybe just me. No, just when they hear the lineup, just they'll like poop themselves. They won't poop themselves at the theater. I feel like I don't want to go to that event. It's not like you're going to poop other people. Just yourself. Just when you hear the, the These lineup. These are nice pants. Well, perhaps you should. T- that's why I don't wear pants when I podcast, Steve. Let me see. Well, of course, before we get to any of that stuff, we got to talk about what we always talk about at this time. Gord, what pisses you off? Steve, you know what pisses me off? What pisses you off, Gord? Rejecting good films. We had so many great shorts submitted this year, and we're going to show a lot of them. But I still had to tell 47 of them. My God. But I still had to tell a bunch of filmmakers. The previous record was 45, so. We didn't reject as many as we could have, and this is the reason we have so many shorts this year. We are bringing a hefty jumbo dose of shorts this year because, frankly, the quality of the shorts we got this year was far superior to the quality of most of the features. It's true. And so what do we do? We said, let's just show them best stuff we can but still you know what pisses me off steve what's that having to reject some of those good ones because there are some good ones out there and i'm bummed bummed we're not going to show them absolutely if only we had a second day <laughs> <laughs> or more hours in the theater and like manacles that we could just chain the audience to their chairs something about that yeah yeah so what about you steve you know what, what pisses me off man i don't know tell me is the fact that like so we're in our crunch week right when we have mm-hmm. to watch shorts we've got to pull all this together we've got to record a podcast we've got to talk to lester t raw and all the great concerts were coming to town this week friday was crackle fest kirby crackle playing their annual comic-con show missed that tonight uncle acid and the deadbeats are playing in seattle And Wednesday, the night that we're announcing our lineup and hopefully releasing this podcast, Baroness is in town. And I can't go to any of them because I have work to do. It's good work, but it bums me out. It's like, what? really? You couldn't send any of those in April or in February when nothing was going on? That sucks. It pisses me off. I'm sorry, Steve. That's that's really more like not what pisses me off, but what makes me sad. You sounded really sad right there. Yeah, but it pisses me off, too. Okay. It's a piss it's like, sad. It's a sad piss. <laughs> it's, it's a, a sad, sad piss, piss, is what I'm saying. All right. 
I'm getting a horrible visual. Let's talk about something else. Yeah, let's let's talk about something else. So why don't we listen to a tune? Oh, we can do that. You know, people often ask us, Stephen Gord, how all the time make, they ask, how do you decide on all these shorts? You get hundreds of shorts every year. How do you arrive at the final lineup? This song pretty much explains it. This is from the Pine Box Boys, 2006. More pride than priors. He said it wrong. I said it right. He said I suck. I said you suck. He said it wrong. He said I suck. I'll kick his ass. He said it wrong. He said I suck. I'll kick his ass. I got a rock. He got a rock. He got a stick. I got a stick. My rock is bigger than his stick. I bust his head. My rock is bigger than his stick. I'll bust his head. Once again, that was More Pride Than Priors from 2006's Stab from the Pine Box Boys. And the official Bone Bat fight song. <laughs> That's right. Damn straight. Now on the show, you recognize that voice, the one and only Lester <laughs> T. Raw from Arkansas. How you doing, sir? 
I'm fine, but there's no way anybody recognizes this voice. This is not what I usually sound like. <laughs> you sound this a little is, hoarse, This is the result of a four-hour show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we had a we had a long one last night, but uh, you know I love it. I love it when we get to play you know just about everything. Well, and, and or at least th- get into the ballpark of everything. And we're thrilled that we're going to have an opportunity to have you back at the Comedy of Horrors for uh, the third time. Is that what this is going to be? For the third, that is going to be the third time. Yeah, so another anniversary. Absolutely, yeah. God, anniversary. Because up- we're all about it. You know, I don't I don't know where the flowers are, guys. But, uh, you know, maybe we can have a nice cake. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll have something we get for up there. you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just to have the chance to... I, I don't eat cake. <laughs> to have you thrill our audience once again, uh, we're super excited to see it. What do you have lined up for our audience this year, sir? Well, you know, I mean, folks may have come across uh, us going under the name The Hollands and Hollands Mortuary Entertainment Show. And and kind of the way that we've sort of structured our uh, our live shows now... Yeah, we got to we got to where we were like fractalizing into so many different little side projects. Maybe it was Lonesome Lester, which still had all the same musicians in it, or maybe it was Lester T. Ross Graveside Quartet, which of course had all the same musicians in it. And then there's you know always the Pine Box Boys, which are you know the same musicians. And uh, and then we you know then we brought Jimmy in and started you know being his band, which is you know meant that all the same musicians were playing in his band. So, you know, with all of that going on, we were like, well, why don't we just put it all together in one show? And, uh, you know, we kind of do it sort of old old radio show style. And, um, yeah, that's what we're doing. So uh, you guys will get all of that. All of our, our great comedy, which is mostly <laughs> just uh, sort of stealing and repurposing old Marx Brothers bits. But, you know, um, you anything to pay the bills. Yeah. A little bit yeah, of music stick with for the classics. Ghosts. Oh, of course. You got to have music for ghosts. That's That's always a part of it. Snakes in a That's can. always a part of it, you know. But we, you know, we've been working on the new record, so we've got a we got a ton of new material. Yeah, I was about to ask, is our audience get to get to hear any new material? Yeah, they're going to get to hear. I, for some of them, it's probably all new material. But uh, for those that actually already know our stuff that is there, um, I tell you, we go ahead. We usually, you know, start shows. At least the last couple of shows, we like we, we would just start with stab. And just go ahead and get stab out of the way. <laughs> Don't have to worry <laughs> about playing stab yeah, again. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's sort of like you know, like, like like if Motorhead were showing up and you know and, and uh, you know, didn't play Train Kipper Rolling or Ace of Spades, you know. Right. Sure. Um, yeah. But I heard that way the audience won't have to wonder. Exactly. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know why? Uh, now, now then they can worry about other things from that point on. You know, <laughs> did did they turn the lights off in the kitchen before they left and came to the comedy horrors? Did they feed the meter? You know, um, while they're there, you know, or they're uh, is their significant other going to go out and have an affair with somebody who who doesn't like you know bone back? I mean, there's all well, they're not they worth to worry about if they're not worried about us playing staff. <laughs> And so it's a public service. That's, yeah, thank you. Exactly. Yeah, you know, we we free you up to be anxious about other things. We'll take care of all your other anxieties for you, so you can be anxious again about your regular life. Fantastic. So uh, the new album. When do you think it's going to be released? You know, um, the 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 plan right now is to have it out by Halloween. Okay. Um, which allows us to get uh, get a couple of videos done for the thing, and also you know. To really polish it up, and you know, because we want we want this turd to be as polished as it possibly can. 
yeah. you take out your turd polishing yeah. kit, just really buffing right, the man. hell out of that thing. Turd there polish, is that yeah. a Hollins and Hollins product? <laughs> it will be now. <laughs> nice. so, I hope so. Speaking of new music, there was some discussion of a comedy of horrors theme song this year. It's coming. What's the status on that? Are, are, is our audience going to hear that for the first time at the Film Fest? That is absolutely my goal, is uh, for the audience to hear it. Now, uh, you know, getting you know, uh, um, my lazy ass musicians to learn it will be, uh, you know, uh, that, that burden's on me. That's not on your audience. All right. That's, that's my burden. They're I'm sure they're relieved. Show up, all right. Yeah, it's up to the audience to get there. Okay. And again, us taking care of your anxieties. We'll take care of that anxiety for you. Nice. Nicely done. <laughs> you know, awesome. trying to find the right vibe, you know, to catch that was, uh, you know, that's, that's been kind of fun, you know, uh, I was so cavalier about, you know, like, I'll write you a fame song. <laughs> and then, you know, for a while there, like, everything that I kept coming up with was like, God, this just feels so forced. Uh -huh. But, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's the fortunate thing. Uh, the, the lovely thing about music is uh, uh, it can be very generous from time to time and decide, like, oh, we'll let you in the door this once. You know? <laughs> we'll open up the velvet rope and let you in. And here's, uh, here's some music for you. And so, uh, so, yeah, I think I got something really good. Oh, nice. I'm so excited to hear it, man. I'm psyched. Go in. Very <laughs> cool. All right, man. Well, yeah, I know your voice is tired, so uh, we'll wrap this up. But uh, as always, we like to ask our guests one big question, Lester. What pisses you off, oh, yeah. man? Gosh, I've been so chill lately. But um, <laughs> I suppose, if anything, right now, it's been, been, that really has been kind of pissing me off or, uh, you know, it, 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 <sighs> I'm going to hear about it, but the flat earth theory, man. Look, <laughs> I, I, I don't know why this has to be a thing that, you know, anybody's even talking about what, how empty must your world be that you actually have to go ahead and make up, you know, and be like, I'm going to pick the dumbest theory <laughs> out there to believe. Yeah. How does that keep coming there's back? Plenty, there's, I don't there's know. I a good there's plenty of good crazy shit to believe in out there. <laughs> All right. Why do you Any number of conspiracies. One? Yeah. Yes. But the, Knock yeah, yourself the, out. The dumbest, easiest MK to MK Ultra one. or whatever. Go go for it, you know? Wasn't there a dude but that flat like, Earth? took off in a rocket ship to try to prove? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it was unclear <laughs> how that was supposed to prove anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the, happened to that. The guy. wily coyote had some <laughs> children. I think is what that proved. Acme had a banner. You know, when I was you. in a discussion, I was in a discussion with a friend of mine who genuinely you know, believes, or at least for the time being, is going through a phase. Let's put it that way: going through a phase, and where they believe that you know this, the the Earth is flat. Not so much that it's flat. I think they describe it more as sort of like uh, like the Truman Show. You know, sort of this sort of self-contained unit, you know, but but it's not a globe. And everything else is just, you know, eye candy and holograms and just, you know, shit done to make us think that we're on wow. the globe. Because that somehow makes sense. And I don't know. I, 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 I'm the idiot. I, 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 I take the bait and I get into the conversation with the person and knowing that I'm going to regret, you know, it's one of the things when you come away from that conversation, <laughs> like, 
I, I lost IQ points having this conversation. <laughs> you know? And you knew it was going to happen, too. That's the sick thing. Yeah. Yeah, you see it coming. I need to go stand. I need to go stand in a pot and let somebody water me, you know, right now because I'm wilting <laughs> at this moment. And, uh, and at one point, the person just looks at me and is like, you prove it to me, Lester. You prove to me that the earth is actually round. And I was about to try, and then I was like, no, wait a minute. The burden of proof is on you. You're the one with the crazy theory. Everybody else knows that the earth is a globe. And then all the other things around us floating, they're, they're, they're globular in nature as well. It, it's, not, it's not up to me to prove that to you. That's, what, that's, that's the standard theory. You're deviating from the standard theory, so therefore the burden of proof has got to be on you. Right. But I almost fell for it. <laughs> yeah, if you see the banana peel lying in the street, you got to walk around it, man. Yeah, don't stomp on it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and maybe that's a sign of maturing a little bit, you know, because Lester, of like, you know, hell, probably just five years ago would have been like, well, you can't tell me not to step there, banana peel. <laughs> You're not my real mom. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess I had something that ticks me off, uh, pisses me off. I, I, I had a thing. Yeah, we're, we're so, uh, sorry we can to help dig get that, that audio yes. like that, but uh, I, I'm thinking that that's one problem it, now that you don't have to worry about. Okay, all right, I can let that one go. <laughs> that's right. I'm not. We're, you're not going to hear from your audience, though, are you? They're, they're going to be like, "Hey, what's wrong with that guy? Why doesn't he believe the Earth is flat?" <laughs> no, I think our audience I don't all know. believes I, that I, the I, Earth is round. Pretty oh, sure. God. There's there may be one person <laughs> who yeah, thinks yeah, the, uh, the Earth is a toroid, but other than that, it's all globe. <laughs> It's just resting on the back of turtles. <laughs> well, obviously. Now that's sensible. Well, that's that yeah, yeah. a globe on the back of a cosmic tortoise. That's, yes. that's right. That, there, no, you there you go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, like, can you remind our listeners where they can find your stuff? Well, you know, nowadays it seems like most folks go ahead and just uh, listen to it on the Spotify or the Pandora. And uh, we do occasionally get uh, get a royalty check that allows me to buy a pizza. <laughs> Every once in a while, you can use your cellular iPhonics to uh, to download it to your iTunes. Uh, that's uh, that's another way. Uh, the preferred method would be to go to uh, well, there's Reverb Nation, and they actually they pay pretty well. Um, and then of course thepineboxboys.com. Although soon to come, hollandsandhollands.com, and uh, that's going to be the new site where everything is. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for joining us on the show. And again, thank you for uh, agreeing to come all the way up to the Pacific Northwest and uh, entertain Man, our we audience. Can't wait. We're so excited to have we you back. We can't wait. We, uh, we, we, we set uh, some things up. We'll be, you know, on, on, on that Thursday night, we'll be in Portland uh, mm -hmm. playing at Dante's. And then, uh, then we'll play, be playing in, uh, in Tacoma, uh, Washington, at the Valley with Stoned Evergreen Travelers. They're awesome. And nice. uh, Shotgun Kitchen, I haven't heard them yet, but uh, or that is, I haven't seen them yet, but I've been listening to some of their stuff, and they're great, too. And then, you know, capping it off on uh, on Saturday, um, you know, with, uh, with the Bone Bat Show. We're, we, we're really looking forward to this, as always. All right, well, uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about this unreleased track you sent over? So, uh, so you're, getting, you're getting to listen to a demo. 
folks here. Uh, and and not this is not how the song. Well, it's not the version that's going to be on the album. We recorded this at, uh, at our buddy Rob's studio in uh, in Atlanta when we were uh, out on the road. And uh, just you know, he let us come into the studio and just kind of you know unload, get some things off our chest. You know, recording's therapy, really, when you look at it that way. And um, so it was a duet that I wrote for uh, for Jimmy and I to sing. You know, it's kind of kind of a you know uh, road to Morocco sort of uh, you know uh, Bing Crosby, Bob Hope kind of kind of road song sort of thing. Uh, it's the bus <laughs> of the dead. It's about two dead people who uh, can't afford to uh, to get a hearse. <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, here it is, folks. Taking the bus to the graveyard from Hollins and Hollins. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Lester, I don't want to alarm you, but we're dead. What do you mean, we? We are dead. D-E-D, dead. You know, canceled stamps, pushing up daisies, the great gig in the sky. You know what? For my funeral, I want a closed casket. Why's that? Because I expect the band to play Pop Goes the Weasel the whole time. Classy. Did you know the people living across the street can't even be buried in the cemetery? Why's that? Unlike us, they are not dead yet. Oh, whatever. You know, looking at my watch here, I'm already late for my own funeral. Well, I'm coming with you. Play us out of here, Dodds. I'm taking the bus to the graveyard This isn't how I thought I'd go This bus is fairly crowded I wish I had a hearse But soon I'll find a quiet lot Unless I find it first Quit shoving up Taking the bus to the graveyard And now I ain't got no more to go Oh yeah, I owe the doctor, the preacher, and the undertaker three Well, I can loan you fifty bucks I loan it first to Why me. I oughta for cremation bus driver please let me i want to buy some flowers to lay on the grave of cousin julia bus driver please let me ride ah you're a beautiful ghost you can see me that's what makes you beautiful now go suck an egg this is lester g raw of the hollands and hollands mortuary entertainment show you're listening to the bone bat show brought to you by our sponsors puffed beef when you need something crunchy and meaty, enjoy puffed beef. Now, with more MSG. All right, once again, that was Taking the Bus to the Graveyard, a unreleased cut from the Pine Box Boys. Thank you so much to Lester for sharing that with us and for visiting us on the show. Again, the Pine Box Boys, you can see live 
at the Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Fest. You can also uh, get a hold of some of their music at pineboxboys.com. So don't miss out on doing that, certainly. Yeah, that's way better than, uh, you know, I don't want to mention any other bands, <clears throat> nickel slots, but, you know, something <laughs> like the Pine Box Boys music for you at backslash.com. Right. So, dude, shall we announce our lineup for 2019? I'm giddy. First off, we're going to have a little surprise from uh, one of our favorite filmmakers. That's really enough said about that. Uh, enough said. Be, be there. Sit down early so you That's can right. check you out the intro. After the intro, our first short will be Real Witch Hours, produced and directed by Jason Hood from the U.S. Uh, a very cool, lo-fi, Super 8-looking film. Featuring witches. That's right there in the, in the title. Right there, yeah. It's not about... You know, say werewolves. No, it's real witch hours. And then we're going to watch Midnight Delivery, produced by Isolation Pictures, The Little Monster Media, and directed by Nathan Crooker, also of the United States. And this is a great. This is a a thrilling little short. The Kiter, produced by Atelier Superior de Animation, directed by Lucy Andouche and Cecile Despret from France. Oh, yeah, it's, a it's beautiful. A animated short, I should say. You should, although people probably figured that out by the name of the <clears throat> this, producer. Yeah, this one will be up for the Viewer's Choice Award for Best Animated Short. And then we're going to see Peeled Grapes, produced and directed by Daniel Hickey of the United States of America in the Pacific Northwest region, people. That's right. It's a gross-out little short. You'll love it. This next one is a short that I absolutely love called Turno de Noche, produced by Behind the Must Go and directed by Juanjo Avi from Spain. Uh, this just has all kinds of great music, great flavor to it. Uh, a very cool short. And I think it features a sandwich. It does. And then Haunting the Haunted, produced by Green Sea Productions and directed by John Gigrich, United States. Wonderful little ghost story. This one, cra- this one cracked me up, absolutely. Following that, another Pacific Northwest short, Fix This Up with Handyman Mike, produced by Cascadia Dread and directed by Brian Carlin, of course, the USA, since it's Pacific Northwest. And then we answer the question, what, what are metal girls into? With the short, What Metal Girls Are Into, <laughs> produced by Out of Spite Productions and directed by Laurel Vale of the United States. You'll dig it. You had me at metal. Should I You know. Meet a Lady in the Darkened Wood is our next animated short, produced by the Royal College of Art and directed by Daniel Stankler from the UK. You had me at wood. <laughs> and then Keloid, which was... <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm laughing thinking about this movie. Yes. Uh, Keloid, as I'm sure you know, is a kind of scar, produced by and directed by Brendan Polacut to the United States. Such great acting in that one. So well done. You guys are going to love it. Following that, we've got uh, a music video from Zoran Gvojic and our friends at Low Carb Comedy. This is Social Mediasicist, a music video from the band Common Shiner. Very fun stuff. Speaking of shiners, Don't Blink is next. <laughs> Produced by Double D and directed by Grace Ann Dorse and Annette Deasy, the United States. Following that, another wonderful animated short. This time when 
Pixar level animation goes full comedy of horrors. Wild Love, produced by Ecole de Nouvelle Images, directed by Paul Utrecht, and a team of thousands from France. Then, Rattle. That's <laughs> great short little punch in the face. Produced by Central Time Zone Films and directed by a longtime favorite of the film fest, Patrick Ray Patrick's of the United a, States. Yeah, he's had a short in our fest just about every year we've been in business. So great to see he's still making awesome stuff. Our next short. It's this thing he does. It is. Uh, straight out of Ireland, Mr. Eccles, produced by Plain Sailing Films and directed by Jay Brannigan. This will give you chills. You'll have chills. You hold on to those chills when you watch the next short, In Love, produced and directed by Candace Nachman. This is a shot on film short. That's right, film for reals. They still do that? They do in the United States, which is where Candace made this film. Thank you, Bone Bat, for putting cutting-edge films on the screen for us here in Seattle. Next one. What's next, Steve? Speaking of the Northwest in Seattle, A Night of the Living Trees, produced by Red Five, directed by Stephen Chappell and Brian Glinsky from the USA. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll hate trees. <laughs> trees Speaking right. of things I hate, <laughs> next film, The Mime, produced and directed by Dan Allen from the UK. This film is creepy, Steve. It is creepy, and not just because it's British. Indeed, and it's a little uh, switch up from Dan Allen, who you may recall was the Bone Bat Jumbo Bonus Jury Award winner for his previous film, Love Bitten. Next film is another wonderful animated short, Hot Dog Hands, produced and directed by Matt Reynolds from the USA. This is one of the craziest animated shorts we saw this year. Never seen anything like it. Thrilled to put it on the big screen for you. Yeah, yeah, seriously. I was I was watching this with somebody, and they just, just they just turned and looked at me and went, what the f-? Like, I'm not the guy that did this. I don't know. Let's just see where this takes us. <laughs> it's a cool film. Uh, and then Adam Rosenberg wrote and directed this ridiculous gem, Huevos. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Oh, United States of America. What, Steve? What's next? Uh, the next one is uh, an amazing, epic short that is just chilling to the bone. Keep the Gaslight Burning, produced by White Room Artifacts, LLC, and directed by Lou and Dave Elsie from the U.S. So very good. Yeah, this is, jeez, uh, it really is an epic film. Next up is The Accused AD with Juego Terminado, produced by Black State Productions. Directed by Jason Frost, USA. Prepare to rock your balls off and see Martha Splatterhead. That's all I'm saying. Oh, my God. I just have to take a moment and say. Would you please take a moment? I have literally been listening to The Accused since we were freshmen in high school. And to have an opportunity to play a music video by The Accused AD in Seattle on the screen of our own film festival Gives me chills. I just have to say, that's fucking awesome. I'm so happy that we're going to have a chance to do this. Is that what's giving you the chills? Yes. Okay, good. I was afraid it was Ebola. So excited, dude. I cannot even say. You are excited. You know what else is exciting? Hand job, Hand job cabin. cabin. <laughs> Produced by Nice Peace and directed by Bennett Silverman, USA. This short's been kicking around for a minute. And we've been trying to get it for a couple of years and finally made it happen. So we are 
just beyond happy to put this one on this big screen as well here in Seattle. You guys are going to laugh your asses off. And then, Special Day, which is uh, produced by Ink Run and Spiral Pictures and directed by Teal Greyhavens of the United States of America. Special Day, it kind of freaked me out a little bit when I saw it. And yeah. then the ending, I, I just... I grin from ear to ear. It's a different take. You're going to dig this movie. Yeah. It's, it's about a birthday. It's chilling. Absolutely chilling. Next up, Third Wheel, produced by Vitamin Pictures and directed by Daniel Del Purgatorio from the United States. We can't decide if this is horror or comedy, so it is clearly horror comedy. Yeah. By definition. Uh, yes, empirical evidence. Support. Super good stuff. <laughs> sports. What the hell? And then Micus, which is clearly not a horror comedy. It is a scary movie. Todd it scared Spence, me. man. Oof. He's doing some cool stuff. He's got a couple movies in our film fest this year. Produced by Midnight Video and directed by the aforementioned Todd Spence of the United States. Yeah, Gordon discovered this guy this year in the offseason, and I love everything I've seen by him so far. So uh, keep on making great work, Todd. Uh, there is no offseason. This next one is another one that Gord found. The Bloody Ballad of Squirt Reynolds, produced by Shock Treatment Productions and directed by Anthony Cousins from the U.S. It's got all those 80s tropes you know and love and eviscerates them. Wonderful. <laughs> and then, if you like movies, and I think you do. I, you know I do. You're going to like Demon, which is a long, short film directed and produced by Caleb Slane in the United States. This film is shot, it's got a lot of outside shots, and it's lit entirely by the light of a full moon. No shit. It's got really cool dialogue. It's got really cool, long, unbroken shots. It's a thinker. It'll make your brain engage for a while. It's a cool film. Yeah, this is a film that you see, and you're just, the quality of shorts that are being made right now is stunning, and this is a fantastic example of that. Next up. From uh, another one of our favorite directors, Izzy Lee of Nile Nocton Productions, My Monster. Another one from Izzy, and we're glad to have it in this year's fest. Once again, from the United States. And then Count Your Curses, directed and produced by Lorraine Yavo of Belgium. We don't have enough films from Belgium. What a wonderful, weird, animated movie, unlike anything I've ever seen before. It's the best. It's so good. It is awesome. Yeah, check it. This one's actually one of Gord's favorites from this year. Stay, produced by God Emperor David Productions <laughs> and directed by David Michelson of the USA. This is, again, something... It amazes me after eight years of this fest that there's still stuff we haven't seen. This is one we have not seen on the big screen before. Yeah. And then laboratory conditions. I know we keep going off about... The quality of the shorts. The shorts are so flipping good. They're, dude, laboratory conditions. This is like something you would see in a theater, which I guess you're gonna. It is so good. And here's the thing. It is written and directed by a doctor, Dr. Jocelyn Stamat. She's a medical doctor. She went to an Ivy League school, practices medicine. Oh, and she writes and directs horror movies. How freaking awesome is she? And not so only check that, out. Talk about the level of acting. This film has Minnie Driver and Marissa Tomei in it. Yeah, not bad for an indie flick. Yeah, huh? not too, not too shabby. Oh, so good. You're gonna love it. 
Next up, a sequel to the previously mentioned Social Mediasicist from low-carb comedy and director Zoran Gavoyich. Social Mediasicist 2 from the United States. Uh, true fact, I am unable to pronounce Mediasica, media, media, the second word in that. <laughs> that word. Well, mm-hmm. maybe you should see if you can pronounce at Selfie Junkie. Okay, here we go. And then we're going to watch at Selfie Junkie. Hey, I did it, Steve. It's produced by Frankenhuffer Productions and directed by Ty Huffler of the United States in the Pacific Northwest. He's done where there are so many. Yeah, I think this is his third appearance in the fest. So well done, Ty. Yeah. Next up, another work of absolute genius from the UK and Longshot Media, Baghead, directed by Alberto Corredo Corridor Marina. Oh, my God, this film. It's really freaking good, isn't it? It's so good. You, you just get drug into this, like, what am I seeing? And then, and then you see it. And then, speaking of things you can't unsee, <laughs> the Procedure 2... The long-awaited, by long I mean a year, awaited sequel to The Procedure. The one that made the audience scream and physically recoil, pushed themselves back in their seats, attempted to escape the screen itself. Yeah, The Procedure 2. It's uh, produced by Traveling Distribution, directed by, of course, Calvin Lee Reader of the United States of America. And I am proud to say I kickstarted this project. (laughs) And we thank you. We all thank you. I have made the world a better place by doing so. Thank you have. Next up, one of my favorite animated shorts from this year, Hammer Down, produced by DanPasto.com, directed by Dan Pasto from the United States. This thing is freaking hilarious. So good. And it's kind of a claymation thing, which is different. We haven't seen one of those since Time Chicken. It's great to have that style of animation back in the fest. So much freaking work to make these, so oh I feel God, really good right? about showing them. Absolutely. Yeah. God, you got to have focus for that. And then, hey, it's Todd Spence again, directing this movie, produced by Midnight Video. This is Your Date Is Here, another scary McScarrison film. You're going to dig it. Of course, he's still from the United States of America. He still is. You know, mm-hmm. some films you know, just you know won't be not? denied. <laughs> You know, so they, they, they try to stay out of the Bombat Film Fest. They try to go to other film festivals in the Seattle area. But sometimes your short is so perfect for the comedy of horrors. You have to be here, and you get there eventually. That's the, exactly the case with Bloodshed from James Moran and Moranic Productions from the UK. This movie is blood-soaked hilarity, and we are thrilled to have it once again at the Comedy of Horrors. And then... This movie, this movie, <laughs> oh my God, this the movie. vision or the goddamn exitist, the vision or the goddamn existential crisis that keeps me up at night, written and directed by Ryan Bright of Canada, Pacific Northwest. Nice I don't know stuff. what to say about this film, Steve. Yeah, I'm not sure. You'll, you'll just have to see it. Yeah. Yeah. You're just going to have to. And by the way, what is wrong with you, Ryan? My God. Speaking of what is wrong with people, next up we've got Hang Up, produced by Fatal Pictures and Red Sneakers Media, directed by Richard Powell of Canada. I loved in our, our show notes, we, we do little notes about the different shorts that we watch during the year. And Gordon's comment was, 
glad to see that Richard Powell and Robert Nolan are still bringing happiness and sunshine to the world. Like, such a bleak picture. They've already placed three films in our festival. Parasite. Yeah, just great stuff, and uh, it's good to see that they're back, still killing it. So Yeah, so if you're at all in a good mood, this will wreck it. You're, yeah, we'll you're absolutely going to be destroyed by the time you finish watching this movie. But after getting destroyed, you see, <laughs> we fluff you back up. Oh my. Yes, Williams Tips for Turning Tricks into Treats. Directed and produced by Brian Lanano, who you calls know, the United States of America home. You know, William. You love William. You know, I don't back. know if you love William. <laughs> well, he's, it's, your, he's your William. How can you is, not love him? He's your William. You're the one that kickstarted William, Steve. I did, and I was this, glad to do it. You brought this sticky mess upon us. <laughs> Next up, a wonderful animated short from the Animation Workshop, who has turned out such incredible work previously as the Backwater Gospel. This one's directed by... Emil Friss Ernst and Nicholas Ropke Dreisen from France. This is A Robot is a Robot. Great stuff. It's a wonderful film. And then there's Stop, produced by Ubiquitous Studio 42 and directed by Steven DeGenero of the United States. Another feel-bad movie. Oh, my God, this movie is so tense. <laughs> this is just a terrifying, real-life, tense-ass movie. You're going to need to unclench afterwards. And that's coming from the director of First Date, which won the Comedy of Horrors Viewer's Choice Award for Best Short. And our feature a couple of years ago, Found Footage 3D. Steven's doing something completely different. and uh, Every time he does. I think that uh, it's going to blow you away what, what he's got on tap this time. Uh, following that, a little palate cleanser from right here in Redmond, Washington, directed by Jamie Gower and produced by One New Mess. This is Book Return, a wonderful animated short. Tis a silly thing. And finally, an epic, amazing independent film, which is a short, a long short. It's another one of those, you know, this is like watching a freaking movie short. Sound from the Deep, produced by Twisted Films and directed by Antti Lasko and Junus Alanen of Finland. Wow, this this film is, uh, I mean, they, they got a boat, Steve. They got a whole boat for this They got a freaking film. ship. I mean, it's a ship, it's not I a boat. This, There's it, icebergs. Exactly. A long, short, Lovecrafty, all kinds of ambiance. I, I haven't seen something like this since Air Conditions back in 2015. That's the last time I saw something that affected me like this with this kind of vibe. Great stuff. Yeah, golly. And that's it. Those are our shorts. That's it. Whew. And this year, so all those shorts, 47 shorts. So one of the reasons why we have so many shorts this year is we scoured the world for awesome features. And really, there was only one feature that we really thought fit the bill this year. And that one is Eat Locals, directed by Jason Fleming, who is an actor as well. He's in one of my favorite films of all time, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. This film is written by Danny King, who is also a book author. A wonderful feature produced by Evolution Pictures, Reign of Blood, Art Stone and Vision Films, which we are thrilled to have as the heart of this year's Comedy of Horrors Film Fest. It's, it's got quite a cast. Daredevil's in it. 
That's right. Dexter Fletcher's in it, who is a fantastic actor. We've seen him around a lot. He was soap in, again, Lockstock. Um, such good stuff. Uh, it's going to be a good time. You're going to dig it. So uh, before we uh, get off of the subject, we should talk a little bit about our sponsors, man. Our sponsors, we couldn't do it without them. We offer amazing swag bags and enormous packages. We give the audience really something like they don't get anywhere else. And it is the sponsors which help make that happen. Uh, everything from books to chocolate to videos, the cash money that helps make this whole thing run. So let's tell everybody who our sponsors are, Steve. Let's start off with Fantagraphic Books. Who are a fantastic graphic novel publisher and comics publisher right here in Seattle. Uh, they've been supporting us for several years and they always give us some awesome graphic novels for our giveaways, which is very much appreciated. Also, Dolcetta Artisan Sweets, who is responsible for the delicious gourmet-level chocolate that you find in your swag bag. Nom, nom, nom. Yeah, you're going to get more chocolate again this year. You know what else you're going to get more of this year? Scarecrow Video. Thank you, Scarecrow Video. Local business providing DVDs, video for rental and purchase right here in the Seattle area. And they're helping us out with awesome swag as well. Flame Tree Press, who is a brand new sponsor for us this year. They're the publisher of Jonathan Jans, who we'll be speaking to in a little bit. He's got a great new book called The Dark Game, which I am reading as we speak. Really, I'm, I have it open and I'm looking at it while I'm talking right now. Anyway, wow. we are thrilled to have a world-class horror author and publisher be a part of this year's Film Fest. Cool stuff. Speaking of cool stuff, Paizo Publishing. The guys that bring you the game Pathfinder, these guys every year give us great stuff to give away during the prize giveaway, during the during the raffle, and uh, they're even the ones that uh, were the backbone behind the bone battle, if I recall. That's right. Also, and speaking of the backbone of the Bone Bat Film Festival, been there since day one, GT Printing Equipment. They've sponsored us financially every year, helping keep this thing not just running, but also awesome, and it's great to have them back. Uh, additionally, we've got a brand new sponsor as of a couple of weeks ago, Level Up Seattle. It's a social venture project and a nonprofit organization that provides housing and business partnering opportunities for youth ages 18 to 21, including foster youth. The next generation of Boneback Comedy of Horrors attendees. And True Cult Coffee. A, a truly metal coffee. You know, there, there's a certain name brand coffee which is sold throughout Seattle. There's a certain other name brand coffee which is sold throughout, throughout Seattle. Fuck those coffees. That's right. You need to get your true cult on. They're going to be a part of this year's fest, and I'm psyched. We've needed a coffee sponsor for, like, it, it's a 12-hour event. How did we not have a coffee sponsor before? So we'll have a few pounds to give away during the fest, and that is awesome. Speaking of awesome, Flying Saucer Pizza, because pizza is awesome. Flying Saucer Pizza is awesome. They've been a part of this thing since go, since day one, churning out fine pies in a sci-fi environment in Redmond. If you're in Redmond and you are even remotely hungry, you should just go <laughs> to Flying Saucer Pizza and eat there because it's delicious. I love that. 
Mac and Jack's Brewery, purveyors of fine beverages who have also been around since the start. Once again, their sponsorship is going to allow us to keep the beer flowing as long as the keg lasts at this year's film festival. Vortex Video and Music, another longtime sponsor, your independent music and video store. This is where Steve goes to get all the stuff he sticks in his eye holes and ear holes. A lot of it. Not all of it, but a lot of it. Dark Horse Comics, who we mentioned earlier. Man, they sent so much great swag. This is the this is the publishing house that publishes Hellboy. They publish the Alien comics. They publish Grendel. These guys are horror to the bone, and it's so fantastic to have them as a longtime sponsor. Thank you, Dark Horse. And Zippy's Giant Burgers. I have yet to eat one of these giant burgers, and I am a less of a human being for it. Probably Steve gets so. to eat these burgers. Yes, they're That's why he looks like he does. You get the firehouse with the Mama Lil's peppers on it. Oh, it's so good. Mm. Stuff. Another new sponsor this year, Around the Table Gaming Pub in Linwood, Washington. They've got games. They've got full tilt ice cream. They've got beer. They've got sandwiches. This is a great place to spend the day playing awesome board games, eating great food, drinking beer. you got to visit Around the Table. It is a great spot, and we're glad to have them as a sponsor for 2019. And, finally, and of course, our longtime patron, Jerry Cooch. It's true. Jerry Cooch has been there for us for the longest damn time, always coming through with the Benjamins when we need it. All around great guy, and rumor has it, he smells like pie. I can neither confirm nor deny that that's accurate. But yeah, when you see him at the festival, thank him. Thank him personally for helping make this thing happen, because uh, he's one of the reasons. Maybe don't sniff him, just saying. <laughs> yeah, just to do it you know, just in a manner that yeah, is obvious. Him. Respectfully thank him from afar. Uh, that's probably good. <laughs> All right. So uh, that is the 2019 Comedy of Horrors in a nutshell. Dude, we got another tune? Yeah, what's the tune? Uh, how about one from Arkansas Killing Time, the 2005 debut from the Pine Box Boys. This is I Kept Her Heart. I married darling Jessica when she was just 15 When her daddy traded her for a horse he'd never seen For 15 years she shared with me my house on the hill But she said she never loved me and she swore she never will And that broke my heart and I thought I'd die And I stared at old Grim Reaper in the eye But my heart grew cold and I plotted my revenge And I promised him another bye and bye I said to darling Jessica, I'm getting quite a chill Let's go up on the mountain, fetch a jar down from the still And bring your woolen coat, for there's a storm coming in But she knew she wouldn't need it, for she would be back again She looked at me, she said you lied For a moment there, I thought that I might cry But I fixed my hat, turned my collar to the wind For I knew this pretty woman had to die
township of us Sing the mournful will As I dragged my darling Jesse To the branch there by the mill And there we bowed our heads And asked for blessings from above And I had my darling Jessica Was not consumed by love And I kept her heart For it was mine But I left her bloody skull There in the pines And I make my bread With a flower from the mill Where the bones of darling Jesse Were ground Team. You have a visual on our target. We have a positive sighting. Hi everyone, this is Sebastian. Second squad, hold your position. Sebastian, close your eyes. Go, take him down, do it now. Colonel, you have a problem. You have no idea. Things are an abomination. They need to be wiped from the face of this earth. Vampires with machine guns. It's not enough. The night is ours. That was it when we moved in. was pretty helpful. Thank you very much. Who chose every last single one of them? Get back! Get back, everyone. In the name of God, the sun and the holy smoke, I command you. <laughs> you get back! Does he just say they? That's disgusting. Everyone's a food critic these days. All right, joining us now, I'm thrilled to say, we've got the screenwriter of this year's feature, Eat Local, none other than Danny King. How you doing, sir? Not too bad. Steve, how are you, mate? Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us on the show to talk about your work. Uh, it, it was such a nice fit for this fest, and to have an opportunity to chat is just a thrill for me. Oh, I'm delighted that you, you're screening it. I, I, you know, I'm... I'm I'm really touched and really honored that you've chosen our film. And, I, you know, I just hope it goes down well. Oh, I'm certain that it will. Now, you know, when I first heard about Eat Local, I have to say right up front, one of my favorite films of all time is Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. And when I heard that, wow, a vampire movie by Jason Fleming with Dexter Fletcher in it, that sounds like a win to me. Uh, Every good independent film starts with an initial seed. How did you get the idea for the screenplay? Well, the idea for the screenplay was basically trying to write a film on the cheap because <laughs> I've, I've written so many screenplays that have feature explosions and speedboat chases and, and, and gunfights and they never go anywhere because they can't, they can't afford it. So I decided to almost start with the budget and think, right, let, what can we actually do? What can we actually do? And this is why I think single location films set over a short space of time, they're, they're like a standard for, for filmmakers beginning their journey. So siege films are great for that. So I, I looked at a, making a kind of a reverse siege film where you've got the monsters on the inside and the supposed goodies on the outside. 
Absolutely. It's got vampires, machine guns, kung fu, tons of action. So you did a lot with a small budget in making a very fast-paced, kinetic, and also funny film. We try to make we try to make uh, uh, you know half a million dollars look like uh, look like a couple of million dollars, except when it came to my paycheck. <laughs> well, one of the things you were able to stretch was a fantastic cast. I mean, oh, there's a lot of people now that, that we even know more, like Charlie Cox's Daredevil. So having him in there, that's somebody that our audience can recognize. Uh, Tony Curran was in a film called The Presence a few years ago that made the festival rounds here in Seattle, and it's a wonderful film. Well, he is he was uh, Jason Fleming's best man when Jason Fleming got mad. So really? when Jason okay. came... When Jason came to make this film, he basically called in every single favor. All of those people that you see on screen, including Eve Miles and 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 uh, Annette Crosby, the, the, who plays Alice, and Charlie Cox, they're all friends of Jason, who he is basically arm twisted to <laughs> turning up to to be in his first film. Delightful, I love it. So, were you on set the whole time uh, during the shooting of the film? As much as possible, uh, uh, it was it was shot quite away from me. But I went up at least two or three days a week, and there is, I have got a tiny little blink and you will miss me cameo as a as the worst SAS soldier in the world <laughs> in the background. Uh, I literally have to pause the video whenever I'm with friends, and I have to point out me in the background, and they don't they don't quite believe me because it doesn't look like me. I, it looks like a blur, but I am there. Very nice. Now, one of the other actors that's in the film is Dexter Fletcher, who I understand you've worked with before. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I wrote another film uh, together with Dexter uh, called Wild Bill, and, uh, um, and and Jason was in that as well. In fact, uh, and uh, it went on to very good things. And now Dexter is is a list, and and not he doesn't return my calls. He's too big for me these days. <laughs> but funny you should mention uh, Lockstock because all of the four boys who were in Lockstock were involved in this film. Jason Statham choreographed the fight scene right. and uh, Nick Moran uh, you see briefly as a cameo uh, of a soldier uh, taking pot shots. Oh, that's so we, wonderful. I love it. This is the first film in which all four boys have worked back together again. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah, and it's interesting because Dexter was actually in one of the features we premiered last year called Double Date. So this is back-to-back oh, okay. -back years he's in the Comedy of Horrors Film Festival. Pretty cool. He, he is never out of work. He's always working. <laughs> great. Well, do you have any other good stories about the making of the film that you'd like to share with our audience? I took my, I took my son up there for the day. Uh, he's seven years old. I got him a day off school. And I, I took him up to see how, uh, you know, see what vampires are really like. And he, he got to play with all of the guns and uh, and uh, and uh, walk around in the mud. And, and he loved it. He loved it. He, he thought it was the best day ever, particularly when he sat on my phone just playing Angry Birds for three hours. <laughs> while it was all it was all happening in front of him. Right. With your kids. It's like, look at all this wonderful stuff that's going on around you. Swipe, swipe, yeah. swipe. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah, I know, I know. But it, it, we we took some pictures, so you know he'll remember it. He'll he'll look back when he's grown up, and he'll remember it. Fantastic. Well, in addition to being a screenwriter, you are a legitimate novelist. I, I'm counting you upwards of 14 novels under your belt, sir. Uh, I take issue with legitimate, but yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, do, I do write. I'm I, I, that's what I did first of all. I wrote um, 
I wrote books, and a lot of these books were optioned by film producers uh -huh. who would then commission screenwriters to write them. And I just thought, I can do that, you know, I'll have a go at that. And, and that's how I got into it. I managed to convince enough of them to let me have a go and, 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 and write, the own, write the screenplays for it. But I still write. I still, you know, I'm writing, um, I wrote a book called The Monster Man of Horror House, which did strangely well in Germany. Um, it was translated and the, the translator did such a good job that she she made me look good. So I need her to translate it back into English, but use her version. <laughs> nice. So I'm, I'm, writing a, I'm writing a sequel to that at the moment and I've got a couple of other films on the go and it's just, you just, you got to throw a lot of mud out there and see what sticks. Absolutely. Well, keep us in the loop on your latest projects, man. I'd be really interested to hear more about what you're doing. I will do, Steve. I will do. It's, 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 a, it's a comedy horror film. Oh, you, nice. You're yeah. right up your street. A couple of years, yeah. hopefully. I'll be keeping well, an eye out. That's fantastic. All right, man. Well, uh, one last question we always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show. Danny, what pisses you off, man? Oh, my God. I'm like everyone else in Britain. It's Brexit at the moment. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> Oh my God, the country's going mad. It's just, you think you've got problems with Trump. Yeah, well, I, I do think that, but it sounds like you've got your hands full as well. Yeah, but although there is there is a there is a slight schadenfreude to see all these politicians tying themselves up in ridiculous, ludicrous knots. So it kind of swings and roundabouts. It's bittersweet. Well, best of luck getting the Brexit issue solved. Well, where can our listeners find your stuff, sir? Uh, if you're looking for uh, my books, they're on Amazon. Uh, you can get them on Amazon. You can, you can. Um, um, if, I think they're. I think Wild Bill's available on DVD over there. Eat, eat locals as well, and and, and but not before you go and see it at uh, Comedy of Horrors. I have to say, um, <laughs> and um, yeah, you just. I Google me. I'm very easy to find. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us on the show, sir. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for asking, Steve. All the best. Once again, that was I Kept Her Heart, one of the classics from the Pine Box Boys catalog. 2005's Arkansas Killing Time, one of Gord's favorite albums. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Again, find their stuff at pineboxboys.com. Following that, we had our conversation with Danny King, screenwriter of Eat Local, which you can see at the 9th Comedy of Horrors Film Festival. We're going to keep more multimedia triage short and sweet this week since we've already, we've already discussed a lot of media. A lot of media. But uh, one thing we'd like to talk about is uh, Captain Marvel, which we've both seen. And we both enjoyed Well, I guess we both enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. Did uh, you like it? How can you not like a Samuel Jackson buddy picture? <laughs> right? <laughs> I hadn't looked at it like that, but uh, okay, yeah, you're Samuel right. Samuel Jackson is the shit. And so, well, he's always it. Yeah. yeah, but a whole picture of him in it, even if a, a euthanized, and I don't mean like killed, but <laughs> they, they, they digitally altered him to look younger than he is when I say euthanized. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, I thought his, his performance was, was great. It was super fun. Uh, there were some crazy battles. It's a little weird to see the scrolls like made to be good guys sort of that yeah, was kind of different of. i always felt like they were really villains like they were going after the villainy pretty hard but uh maybe i have to review my old marvel comics i don't know 
Maybe not all scrolls are bad. But uh, I thought it was totally fun. It's a good time. The music's pretty great. A lot of great 90s rock and roll. It's about time somebody brought a connection by Elastica back. That song is yeah. fun. That is a that fun, is a fun song. song. Yeah, the whole movie, just a, yeah, just it, it freaking rocks. Good smash em, blowing up stuff, fighting movie. All the acting was solid. My only bitch. Yes. Only bitch. Is it young Colson? Something about him kept making me think of Conan O'Brien. I don't know if it was the forehead. I don't really? know what. Yeah. Interesting. I kept looking at him like, did Colson and Conan O'Brien like have an illegitimate love child and they stuck him in this film? I always feel like you have too much time on your hands in movies because you think of stuff that I never think of. <laughs> usually it's really big obvious stuff and I'm shocked it doesn't piss you off too like, this is just yeah. some weird little mental glitch yeah, usually for it's me. a science thing like oh really if you suck quantum energy into your hands and you blast it out it would be purple not yellow like, usually, no usually it's some like basic know, like, thing the and then you argue with color me color of the spectrum that quantum energy should be or whatever the fuck you'd be like there's no such thing as friction Gordon yeah. <laughs> You see, when you say it like that, you make me sound stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the one that makes you sound stupid, Steve. So what do you think about people who hate Captain Marvel, dude? I guess I would say that they're wrong. I don't know. Why would they hate Captain Marvel? I don't know, because thousands of people, thousands of people posted on Rotten Tomatoes before the movie even came out or they had seen it, that it was a terrible film. I think those people have too much time on their hands. I don't yeah. know. You know what? If you don't like the movie, don't watch it. There's there's movies that you know I don't like, and then I don't watch them. But yeah. this movie rocks. I don't know why you wouldn't like it, unless you know, Absolutely. You're unless you stupid. have ulterior political issues. Oh yeah, if it's just because you don't like a, if you're some sort of a misogynist asshole, well then, I don't want you to take this wrong way. But seriously, this is a message from me to you, as one man to another. Fuck you. <laughs> Yes. I mean that. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, Something Uh, else that I think you've been digging on. Why don't you talk about it, man? Okay, so Netflix just launched this thing called Love, Death, and Robots. And it's a series. It's a a group of unrelated animated shorts by different directors, all sort of in this theme of, of love, death, and robots. So I guess perhaps there aren't robots in every one, but... It's just it's just cool ass Japanese style animation, much in the same vein as heavy metal, except it's now 2019. So you've got a lot more technology at your disposal. Starting with the first movie, Sunny's Edge, I was completely in. It starts off with this really great monster fight kind of movie, which has a twist and another twist. And it's just great. And at the end, I've seen it like four times now. It's maybe 15 minutes long. I keep dragging other people into the room and be like, watch this. You got to watch this. This is great. It's because it's freaking great. The last person I showed it to at the end, they actually yelled, yeah. And it just goes from there. And they're not all that good. But there's only, I, I would say, two of them, which I didn't think were that great. And this is grown up stuff, folks, you know. You're going to see some boobs. You're going to see some penises. You're going to see a lot of blood. It's there. So if you have a problem with that, animated? don't watch this. It's all animated on different levels. There's one that has a couple of live actors 
carrying a lot of it, but there's uh, I'll just tell you, there's one that's um, about this couple. They move into a house and there's an old style refrigerator freezer in there. They open it up and they find there is an alternate world, a society in their freezer. What? That's crazy. What? Yeah. So the, the that society in the freezer stuff is computer animated. The real humans are real. And some of it's really one of the episodes looks straight out of Borderlands, the video game. Mm-hmm. One looks really softly painted, um, almost pastel-y. Some of them are really jagged and sharp and well-defined. There's one that's just a straight up, you know, fight. I don't know. It's it's all over the place. It's super creative. And I'm I'm really sad that I've now watched them all. <laughs> Oh yeah. Cause it's perfect. Every time I get like 15 minutes to spare, I'm like, Oh, I could watch another episode of that while I <laughs> fold this basket of laundry, <laughs> you know? <laughs> nice. And I used it all up. Damn it. Oh, shit. But I encourage you to check that out, especially the first episode, Sunny's edge. I am not overselling this. It kicks seven shades of ass. You know what? It, it goes in a place where you might think, wait a minute, is this going to turn into a porn? It's not going to turn into a porn. Just watch it. Go with it. Trust me. <laughs> you know, some movies with a robot pizza man coming into the house, that's where it goes. <laughs> yeah. Not, nope. No pizza man shows up. All right. Well, uh, that, that's all I got. Is that good for you? That's good for me. We've talked about enough multimedia really to see us through for a while all right well uh, let's listen to a tune and then uh talk to uh jonathan jans a little bit all right all right this tune is from uh, the 10th anniversary album from the pine box boys one we haven't played on the show yet i believe this is called cruel mother
This is Danny King, screenwriter of eLocals, and you are listening to The Bone Bat Show. All right, we are back. And I got to say, I'm totally excited. Uh, right now, courtesy of Flame Tree Press, our new sponsor this year, we have an opportunity to speak to horror author extraordinaire Jonathan Jantz. How you doing, man? I am amazing. I'm so happy to be on with you tonight. Thanks so much for talking to me. Oh, thanks so much for being on the show and for writing such a cool book, The Dark Game, which is uh, just about, I believe, to release. What's the release date? It is April 11th, coming April right up. April 11th, so two days before the film festival, folks. And, oh, wow. Uh, I had a chance to read it, and I wanted to spend a few minutes talking with Jonathan about it. I, I have to say... It's been a long time since I was this excited about an author that I read for the first time. I remember back in the day, I was a bookstore manager, and I read Swan Song by Robert R. McCammon. And oh, it was like, this is a great book, and he's got like 10 more! And that was absolutely <laughs> the case also with The Dark Game. <laughs> well, that's amazing to hear. I tell you, McCammon is one of my... I mean, he's become. I, here's a here's a confession. I never read because, as you know, he's a legend in our in our genre. Absolutely. But, but I'd never read him until fair, relatively recently. I think it was like five years ago. I read Swan Song, mm -hmm. and and like you, I was and I'd heard about him for years. I just never read him, and when I did, I just I, I kind of kicked myself. I couldn't believe I'd waited that long. And like you said, he's got this backlist, and I've been working my way. It's like it's like I allow myself a treat. To, you know, of Robert McCammon because everything he writes is to me just extraordinary. I've read I think five or six of his books now. They've all been five stars. I'd give him six stars if I could. Um, so for you to react similarly to my book the way you did to McCammon, that is one of the most amazing compliments I can I could ever receive because he is he's an absolute legend. Love him. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So why don't you tell our listeners uh, just a little bit about what the Dark Game is about? Absolutely. So I imagined somebody, Stephen King is my main influence by far. It's like he's my number one, two, three, all the way up to probably <laughs> number nine. And then, and then when you get to number 10, you get to other writers. But he, he's the guy, he made me a writer, he made me a reader, he made me a teacher. So um, Stephen King, I, I imagined what would happen if you combined him with like the reclusiveness of Cormac McCarthy, sure. and and the, and then you you know of course Cormac McCarthy is taught everywhere in every university in the world. So you take those two guys together, and then you and then you put a kind of a sinister spin on him, and you make him look like Cary Grant in his later days. And and that guy, Roderick Wells, is the is the author's name, most famous author in the world. He invites ten younger authors to his secluded estate for a summer long writers retreat, and he promises the winner what they have to do is write a novel during the six week period. And the one who writes the best novel, he promises not only three, $3 million cash prize, but a lucrative publishing contract. Um, he held the same event 50 years prior and the woman who won that became one of the most celebrated writers in American letters. So he's basically guaranteeing the same for one of these 10 writers. But what the writers don't realize is, is that they were chosen for reasons other than their writing ability. And uh, I don't want to give too much away, but, um, and you can give away whatever you want. As you talk about <laughs> well, it. I would so, just, from that point, I would say, and mayhem ensues. I think that's, that's good. That's, I think that's well said. Absolutely. <laughs> interesting about the concept is as a writer for you it allows you to sort of explore 
the the meta game of writing as well. So you're you're putting together a story, but at the same time you're talking about writers' blocks and writers' processes and how different writers come to it. And that seemed to me to be probably an interesting project for you to undertake. It really was. And the the thing is, I teach one of the classes I teach. I teach actually two creative writing classes: one to junior high, one to high school. And what I tell my kids is, is that you win the moment you express. Mm-hmm. Expression in itself, writing in itself, no matter how good or bad it is, is a positive because you're expressing yourself. You're getting these thoughts out on paper. And I think that's one of the greatest forms of therapy. So as you allude to, there's this meta aspect. Obviously, writing is something dear to me that I've been doing for a while. And to be honest, it didn't come easily easily to me at all. Uh, I went through all sorts of rejection and difficulty and every challenge a writer can face, every problem a writer can face, I've, I've wrestled with it. So for me, this was kind of a working out of all those things, an expression of all those issues that writers put themselves through or sure, endure. Yeah. And, and, and that was really fun and fascinating and it's funny like writing it it, often you don't know how much something bothers you until you've already written it and then you're like wow that must have really been nagging at me because (laughs) now I feel I feel this unburdening and I got to get a lot of that out um, in this book because as you said these 10 writers they're going through all sorts of issues many related to the the art of writing so was it a challenge or was it refreshing to write in 10 different voices because you do do little segments of each writer's own writing. That's right. Yeah, it was in, in, in one little aside here. I don't think I've said this anywhere yet. In fact, I think this is the first interview I've done about the book. Um, so this thing, this novel, it started out right now. It's 95,000 words, but it, it originally it was a, about 180,000. So basically twice I cut the size. It, yeah, right. Exactly. I cut it in half. And every author had a large portion of his or her novel in the book. As the book now stands, cut cut way down, I think there may be five or six excerpts of the different authors' novels. Mm-hmm. But before, they were all in there. So, yeah, it was – mainly it was just – I think it was it was a lot of fun to try to write in these different voices. And it was cool because it's kind of natural to me. I can be a little bit – I don't mean to make myself sound like I feel like I'm really talented or anything, but my reading tastes are very diverse. Mm-hmm. So it's fairly natural for me to be a little chameleonic okay. because for example, I, I'd read so much. I've read so much Elmore Leonard. I've read 30 some books by Elmore Leonard. So to slip into his style is, is fairly easy. And I'm not saying it's like imitation and I certainly am not as good as Elmore Leonard, but to write with his flavor, I guess is what I'm saying was not that unnatural for me. And then the same thing goes for, for other writers. Mm-hmm. I could, I could kind of channel this writer or that writer because as I said, I've read fairly diversely and that was really, it was just a lot of fun. It, it wasn't again, trying to, to imitate. It was just sure, le- sure. letting that, letting that style permeate my writing a little bit which was kind of cool. I mean, it was a kind of cool exercise for me. And, and honestly, just it was kind of a blast. Were any of the uh, the writers uh, based on sort of colleagues of yours or friends in the industry that you would get to kill off? <laughs> oh, what an awesome question. Well, let me think here. Uh, I think, well, you know what? Yeah, the, some of them are. Okay. Some of them are like Lucy. 
Lu- Lucy still, she's one of the, I'd say she's one of the two leads. Mm-hmm. And she, I, I've heard numerous stories about young writers getting huge advances and then never quite living up to that promise or that hope, never quite earning out their first big advance. And so, you know, all those writers I've heard about kind of went in, because I wondered, I, I can honestly say that didn't happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to worry about somebody giving me a big advance early on at okay, all. Okay. So I can't relate to that personally, but but I, I always did wonder, okay, so where do you go from there? Sure, How sure. must that feel, right? That has to be really checked because it's hard enough. Anything creative is hard enough if you if you ever doubt yourself, which I think most writers do. How much harder? How much? How crushing would the weight of expectations be for a writer in that particular position? And then you know some of the other writers they were endowed with with negative characteristics from people I've met throughout the years, and honestly, some of them are based a little bit on me like Rick Forrester he's the other co-lead mm-hmm. there's there's this uh, anecdote in this in the novel where he talks about getting rejected by Iowa this MFA program you know Iowa's a pretty prestigious MFA program and he got shot down from there and I uh, back in my 20s I experienced that I got shot down um, I sent in a writing sample mm-hmm. and basically they sniffed and turned up their noses and and basically the, they said, well, some people might like that sort of thing, but we do something a little bit different here oh, at geez. our university. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was so, yeah, I felt like Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman, right? Yeah, I felt sure. like I was being thrown out of this fancy hoity-toity Rodeo Drive shop. And it was really painful and humiliating. And yeah, so yeah, I guess a lot of the writers go through things that I went through. Mm -hmm. Will, of course, is the one that I thought of because you're a Cubs fan as well. And he also wrote a story called The Siren and the Spectre. (laughs) Yep, you got it. Yeah, Will definitely has pieces of me. I I think one thing Will really struggles with is Mm self-doubt. And that's definitely a side of me. You know, there are writers... And that's why I worried what I said earlier about using the different styles. I didn't want to come off as self-aggrandizing because I definitely tend more towards self-doubt than I do thinking that I'm the next big thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, writing about Will's challenges with that, with confidence, I think that was really, really, really <laughs> painfully easy for me to do, right? And like you said, he's a Cubs fan, so that part came naturally too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and he's, he wrote Siren and the Spectre. The funny thing was was that I was editing – um, Siren and the Spectre as I was writing The Dark Game. So it was fun to include a little bit about that. So are your books a shared world or are some of them standalones? Yeah, they're, they're all, I'd say they're just about, they're almost all standalones. Okay. So The Sorrows and Castle of Sorrows, one of which came out from Flame Tree in December, one of which is coming out the sequel, Castle of Sorrows in July. That's, the, you know, that's like a direct sequel. But most of my books are standalones. But I really like, I, again, this goes back to my love of Stephen, Stephen King. King. I, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, I always love how he will include this little Easter egg, right? In in needful things, he'll include something about it or something like. That. I just love that. I love when we when we see these little in jokes, and it's a, it's that thing, you know. He calls you constant reader, and I know I'm one of millions and millions, tens and tens of millions of constant readers, but I always feel like he's talking to me. Yep. So I have always just I feel the same love way. That. Yeah, good. I mean, so so he he does that, right? He writes with that kind of 
intimacy. He trusts the reader. So I think it's it's a really powerful bond that we as readers share with him. So I, I, I guess that probably comes from my love of King to, to have these little allusions to my writing. Hopefully not to jar the reader out of the illusion, but uh, hopefully to, you know, get the reader to enjoy the illusion. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, that was the way I took it. And another mention of King. What are the things that King always does and I, I thought it was a nice tip of the hat from you is it was the nicest day Billy ever had. He would be dead in 24 hours. Son <laughs> of a bitch! And you totally did that in the book a couple of times and every time it tickled me because I knew exactly where that was coming from. Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah, I cl- Clearly you are a, ki- a constant reader too because yeah, for you, for you to pick up that connection. The one, well, there's one thing um, you'll remember probably if you've read The Stand and I'm not going to, I don't want to give away spoilers. That contains, to me, the queen mother of all of those really overt foreshadowings. There's this moment where four characters, I won't, I won't name the names because I don't want to ruin it for people who might read it. There are five characters, five people making a stand against evil near the end of the book. Mm-hmm. One of them gets hurt. Four of them walk off, and it says not, none of them would see this character alive again. <laughs> yep. And, 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 and you, it ends up playing out in a surprising way. But I remember when I read that, I was back in high school, that I felt like I'd lost a loved one. Yes. I felt like... I felt like King had just absolutely punched me in the gut and below the gut. I couldn't believe how he knocked my wind out with that. Right, and he and he's not just doing it by killing the character off. He's right. giving you the anticipation, the brutal anticipation of the character that you now love getting killed off, which is even worse. It really is. It is worse. <laughs> That's diabolical, and I love it. So diabolical, yeah. It's ex- yeah. You're exactly right. King, he's just a master at playing us like a musical instrument. Absolutely. Couple of sort of inside baseball questions. Uh, Five thousand words in a day is that doable? Not being an author, we didn't know. And my co-host and I were talking about this. That's a lot. My normal day, like the summer, is my grand splurge writing time because obviously as a teacher, I have summers off. Uh Um, I write some during the school year, but much more in the summer. So I I go between three and 4,000 words just on a normal basis. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I write about 1,000 words an hour. Even though I hunt and peck, I can't type. I still get out 1,000 words. Um, So yeah, if I write for four hours, I get over 4,000 words. There there are days, it's not often, but there are days I get 5,000. I think in the novel, yeah, Roderick Wells, he expects he 5,000. Yeah. Demands it in a very short period of time. So that that would be rather challenging, especially when he tells them it has to be a new idea, right? They have to begin from scratch. Absolutely. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, it's hard, it's doable, but it's certainly a challenge for a writer, at least most writers, I would think, to do that. It'd, it'd be a challenge for me. Okay, several of the characters have writer's block in different forms. Which of those writer's blocks is most like yours? Oh, wow. Let me think about that a little bit. Um, that's a really, man, that's a good one. Um, I think, let's see here, it's never like a shortage of ideas because I always have plenty of ideas. I think there's this, like Lucy, she's, it's funny, you know, Lucy is a character to whom I relate a lot, even though, like I said earlier, she started out as this wonderkind with a huge advance and all that stuff and, Mm. you know, all the, all the advantages at first. But I feel like Lucy, because, you know, she actually talks about doubting herself. She's afraid of failing, that sort of thing. And that's where Rick comes in with the Jack Ketchum anecdote about, yes. um, about you know, F fear, yeah. right? So I think that her fear, her fear of failing, her fear of not being good enough, not succeeding, 
I think that that probably most closely aligns with the, the emotions that I undergo. Okay, well, that that sort of gives me a, a different view of Lucy, because I was going to ask you, you know, Lucy is sort of portrayed in the book as being, on paper, she's the best writer in the room. Yeah. And so yeah. I was going to ask you who your Lucy is, who do you look up to, but in some ways it looks like Lucy, for you, is sort of working out some things as a writer. Yeah, well, I think Lucy's both. I mean, okay. Lucy is Lucy's that writer that everybody, exactly, everybody looks at and says she's got it together, but inside she's a mess. And, and I think that that's, that's largely how, I mean, that's also not just my comment on writers, but my comment on people. I just find that the human race is, is, it's just, we're just a big collection of actresses and actors, right? We're all just pretending to have our stuff together and, and none of us really do. All the world and is indeed a stage. It really is. It truly is. And, and I feel like with Lucy, yeah, somebody that, that I look at and I think that person has it together. Um, you know, I think that I look at somebody like, well, okay, so Brian Keene is somebody that I'm close to, and he's a guy that his, his debut novel, I believe, The Rising, sold, I think, close to a million copies. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's a guy that succeeded pretty, you know, pretty early and has continued to succeed. But I, I know that, I know that Brian, I don't, I don't know that I he, can see it on my shelf from here. <laughs> really, yeah. So you've got one of those yep, almost. I've got a copy sitting up there. Yeah. Yeah, so Brian's a guy that, that everybody looks at and thinks, well, he's just, you know, he's got it all together. Some might even think that he's, you know, really, you know, cocky or whatever. But but I think once you know him, you begin to see him as more flesh and blood and realize, I can't say that he goes through the things that Lucy goes through. But I, I know that Brian, you know, he just like everybody, he, he's flesh and blood and he wrestles with all these things. He wrestles with with worry he wrestles with juggling all these things all these commitments he, he i know he wants to make the next next book better than his last mm. so for me probably he's the closest to that well you uh since you segued into brian Keene, i gotta ask you a question now i know you've done a bunch of short stories and mm -hmm. uh a couple of years ago brian Keene's the naughty list was a wonderful comedy horror short which we showed here at the comedy of horrors film festival is there okay. any chance that any of your short stories have been optioned and we might see a Jonathan Jantz short on our screen in Seattle sometime in the near future? Oh, man, I would love that so much. I have had, uh, not really with the shorts, and that's I, I think there's a lot of potential there because, like, Old Order is one, Witching Hour Theater is another. I think there's several. Uh, there's one coming soon called The Dismembered that's a novella, and then there are other short stories that, that you're alluding to. I think there are a lot that would lend themselves to a really, really good short, and uh, nothing has been optioned yet. I have... One book now, I'm, I'm not supposed to say what it is, but I have one book now that's being looked at quite a bit okay. um, by, some, by some studios, uh, but that's, that's for a feature. But, but like you're alluding to, I would absolutely love, like you talked about the naughty list, I would love, 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 love for one of my shorts to get that treatment. Uh, I just think that's the, I think it's the coolest thing, what you guys do, what you guys celebrate, and, and, and you know, what you guys give, um, you know, uh, give press to, I, I did an opportunity for, I just think it's fantastic. So I would love it uh, mm. to have my. Well, you hear that filmmakers, you should look up Jonathan is what I'm hearing. Absolutely, man. <laughs> Ring me up. Ring me up, filmmakers. I am in. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, man. Well, again, thank you so much for your time and joining us on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Where can our listeners find your stuff? 
Yeah, I think the, the, the places I hang out the most, I'm on a lot of social media, so they can follow me on Twitter at Jonathan Jans. They can follow me Instagram, Jonathan.Jans. Um, they, I'm on Goodreads quite a bit. The best place to buy my work is it really, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's at Amazon, of course. That's the monolith that, you know, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people go to. It's at Barnes & Noble. Um, I, pretty much anywhere online you go. And, Powell's.com and here in the Northwest. There we go. Yeah, exactly. And they're starting to, I think, get more placement in bookstores. Flame Tree is just absolutely kicking butt. They've you talk about coming out of the gate with a bang. They they are doing some in, some awesome work. So I'm seeing a lot of pictures online. People are finding my books in bookstores. So they're they're, they're really finding good shelf space. So thanks to Flame Tree, I think you're going to see it. You know, in your local bookstore too, whether it's a big chain or an independent. So they're really hustling and working hard to get those things placed. So you might even be able to buy one in person fantastic all right man well one last question we always ask all of our guests here on the bone bad show jonathan what pisses you off man <laughs> oh that is that's a great question um i think i'm gonna go i'm gonna go to a tennessee williams quote all right tennessee williams is one of my favorite playwrights and he said numerous times that he, he felt like the only really unforgivable sin is intentional cruelty and I know how cheesy this sounds, but sometimes the cheesiest things are the truest. It really bothers me when people set out to hurt other people. Um, that really, really irks me because there's just there's just so we have so little time. And, I, and I, I'm sounding really philosophical here, but we have so little time on Earth. Um, it, it just just amazes me when people spend their time and effort hurting other people. Um, intentionally trying to tear other people down. I had somebody today try to steal my identity. What? All right? Try to, yeah, exactly. I try to steal my paycheck for, for, and, and just you know stuff like that. It's like you know I, I'm I'm supporting my wife and my kids. Sure. I'm not I'm not saying I'm altruistic or anything, but but it's like really that's how you're going to spend your time is by doing something that would could potentially harm my family. So I I, I'm I just sorry I to don't hear that man. Well, I appreciate it, man. And it's all sorted out. We're all good. I got paid. Uh, nice. <laughs> I got my paycheck, so it's all it all ended well. But in, in, I just don't like it when people set out to hurt other people. Um, as, as silly and maybe superficial as that sounds or cliche as that sounds, that's, that's what irks me. Well, I, I think that's well stated, and I think we can all use a little more kindness in this world. So uh, I agree. I agree, man. All right. Well, uh, you know what? I think we're going to close this interview out with a little salute to Chief Anderson from your new book, The Dark oh, yes! Game. This That's is awesome. an older tune from the Pine Box Boys, our musical guest for this year. This is called Sally's Pet Chainsaw. Enjoy. <laughs> Everyone who falls for Sally leaves a little something behind in the motel lobby, in the alley, in the graveyard a couple of times. Here's a heart, and look, it's still beating. And here's a tongue with still something to say. And here are eyes, perhaps they're still weeping. And here are hands still folded to pray. They begged her for mercy. They did not deserve it. My blood runs cold when I hear the sound. Sally, put your chainsaw down. It's so sweet, you think you are special She said, will you, you answer her yes And 
So you waited, sipping your cordial And she showed up, wearing that dress I'm not judging, I'm not here to blame you I will applaud when you take your bow I won't mock that which overcame you And what good would that do you now? You begged her for mercy Runs cold when I hear the sound. Sally, put your chainsaw down. Rin, rin, rin. And the horror that she leaves behind And that which must be cremated There's no viewing the body this time I love her and that is a sin For which I can never atone But an evening with Sally's bed chainsaw Is better than being alone I begged her for mercy I did not deserve it My blood runs cold when I hear the sound Sally, put your chainsaw down I'm asking nicely Sally, put your chainsaw down Please don't cut me Sally, put your chainsaw down This is Jonathan Jans And you are listening to The Bone Bat Show All right Thank you again to Jonathan Jans For joining us on the show Uh it's a pleasure to speak with him. You can find his stuff at jonathanjance.com or wherever finer books are sold or, of course, Amazon. Next up, a thank yous. I'd like to thank Lester T. Raw from Arkansas for joining us on the show, Jonathan Jance for joining us on the show, and Danny King, writer of Eat Locals. It was great to speak to all of you. And uh, finally, we would like to thank once again all of our Kickstarter backers for the Comedy of Horrors Film Fest. So, uh, first off, I'd like to thank Eric Morgret, good friend of ours. Harry Butts. Real, real mature Harry. Sean Marier. The Creative Fund. Kim Douthit. Cinema Diabolica Podcast. Not Necessary. The Reverend Professor Josh. Anonymous. Kimberly and Kyle Poole. Barbara Nyberg. Sean C. and the Film Freak Mafia. Tom and Diana Flett. Jessica. Milocraft. Chase Baldwin. John Leo Walker. David and Ivy. Chad Dylan Long. Cats of War. Shannon and Matt. Kelly Ward of Cirque Macabre. Tiffany Yao. Emil Antoon Kadaji. Melissa and Frank. Klaus Sprote Kofod. 
Annie and Alex. Annie and Alex again. Tony and Tempe Vacantios, longtime supporters. Yeah, they can't wait, according to their comment. Corey J. Stewart. Sophocles Grafas, who's coming all the way out from the East Coast. Woo! Flame Tree Press. Rich W. Martin S. Tinky Butt. Lauren Bachman and Allie Grayman. Michael Sislak. City of Geek. Brian Gorham. Not McDonald's. Kyle Everglade. Lorelai. John McGlynn. Smitty. Who has incidentally seen me naked? Don Ja. The McKegs. Gozer the Traveler. Claire Swayze. John Swayze. Willennium. Troutle and Scott. Lawrence K. Brody Ravel. My Gloomhaven mentor, Hardy. Very funny. Kirkland. Christy Valenti. Dan Hickey. A director this year. Thanks for the support. Ooh. Clarissa Jacobson. Of a goddess Lady. this year. She is the Thank best. you for your support. Yes. Daniel Odd. Ah! Run Burke. I think it's Aaron Burke. Ah, anyway. Run Burke. <laughs> Angie and Andy Christensen. The Reverend in Fuego. Bill Beats from Noir Crime. The Ten Bends. Mike Hunt. Wait, seriously? Seriously. Right. Yeah. Classy lady. Real mature. <laughs> Classy lady. <laughs> we know who you are. Lauren B. Kevin Lawrence. Andrea Hayes from Smarticle Productions. She produced a movie that's uh, in her fest this year. Jim Rowan. Jim Rowan? Yup. We went to high school with that guy. We did. Steve. Johnny Fastback. Michael Weingartner. Leopold B. Something in Russian. I can't read it. I think they're That fucking... would be Mouse Mouse and Ira. Is that really what that is? Yeah. You cut you don't and read Russian? it? No. That's awesome that you cut and pasted it into fucking Babelfish. <laughs> is Babelfish even a thing? <laughs> I did that on my Angel Fire site. Will Codra. Tip to base. GG and David Silverman. Chris the Ripper Ripley. Jerry Cooch. Julie H. Burton Limo. Alan Mortensen. All right, so that's it. All of the backers, every single Kickstarter backer from the 2019 Comedy Forest Film Fest. Thank you so much for your support. You folks are the the 80 supporters who literally make this festival happen thank you yes thank you couldn't do it without you all right man uh, that's about it you want to wrap this up yeah how am i wrapping it up <laughs> usual right. bullshit our usual our usual bullshit you can find the show at 425-296-6557 you can email steve at steve at bonehand.com and incidentally Bonehand.com is the home of the heavy app hour. Mighty Wombat. MightyWombat.com is the site for Gordon's awesome cartoons. You can follow (laughs) Mighty Wombat on Twitter, but he hardly ever goes there anymore. You can't follow me on Twitter. I mean, I guess, but I'm not going anywhere on Twitter. So it's more like you're standing there on Twitter. 
following someone that's not going anywhere. You can follow Bonehand on Twitter, though. He's there. Him and all those Russian spam bots. Uh, he's also uh, on Facebook with me. Our own Bonebat Facebook group feed thing you should do with your computer. Thank you again for listening. If you like what we do, please spread the word and tell a friend once again. Oh, yes, or spread your friend and tell the word. Dude, that sounds so I don't even filthy know what that means. when you say that. Oh, the way when you say it's filthy, it's not how I was saying it. April You're gross. 13th, 2019, Sif Cinema Uptown, the Comedy of Horrors Film Fest. Get your tickets today. You do not want to miss all the great stuff we've got lined up. The Hollands and Hollands Mortuary Services Traveling Roadshow. Eat Locals. 47 features from around the world. It's going to be freaking great. Uh, also, I almost forgot to mention, uh, last huh? week, City of Geek had me on the show. Uh, Tony, Kim, and Bob had me on the show to discuss horror comedies. So if you want to hear a little bit of behind the scenes about the formative works that eventually led to the Comedy of Horrors Film Festival. That's a good place to start. Check that out. It's uh, City of Geek episode 12, out last week. We have one more tune that uh, I would like to play tonight for you. This is uh, another one from the Pine Box Boys off 2011's Tales from the Emancipated Head. I hope you dig it. This is called The Funeral. Once again, I'm Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one. Yeah, I do have a good one. All y'all stand your feet and pick them up and put them down. For those who've gone off before and buried me ground, let them know how much you love them. Pick them up and put them down. The newer caddy hearses since 1965 got nothing on that 52 that sticker used to drive. Get a 64, the ones before, fix them up again. The 50 had the fenders, but the 60 had the fins. The newer caddies whisper as they carry off their load. So many shiny hearses rolling down the same road. It was better when we walked behind the coffin in the street. Through that the deer departed here to stop it up our feet. All y'all stamp your feet and pick them up and put them down. All y'all stamp your feet and pick them up and put them down. For those who've gone on before and buried in ground. Let them know how much you love them. Pick them up and put them down. Get a pair of Tony Lamas, Lord, stomp around like hell Stomp for someone else today, someone will stomp for you And if the earth won't burn ashes, you'll be buried in it too Every stone propped up is a friend of yours or mine Stomp around a while, let know you'll do it fine Raise your glass, shake your ass, slam that mother down Bang your head and raise the dead and fight another round All y'all stamp your feet and pick them up and put them down All y'all stamp your feet and pick them up and put them down
thank you folks for listening. We'd also like to thank our sponsors, Hollins and Hollins Mortuary Services. As they say, we'll be the last ones to let you down. We're also giving one out there to all of our friends that we buried this year, friends and dogs alike. Can't you hear me down there? shouting there you go okay i don't know if that's actually an irish thing but that's uh that's how i <laughs> behaved yeah i think it is